Welcome to the Pharos Fit Podcast, where we help you to explore your capacity to move better, push further, and achieve your limitless potential through fitness, nutrition, recovery, and lifestyle. Hey guys, welcome back to the Pharos Fit Podcast. Uh, good to be back with you guys. Wishing you guys very many festive, uh, festive hurrahs. Uh, I'm here today with Jason Hazard. Uh, Jason Hazard. Hey, Jason. Hi. How, How you y'all doing? doing? Uh, this is Jason's first time to lodge. Um, he's a, a good friend of mine. Uh, he's been a member of Ferris Athletic Club pretty much since the beginning. Yeah, uh, and it was and just a, a pile of pile of rubble, a pile of rubble, uh, and a shed. That was <laughs> that was all we had. Uh, and Jason came in, and you know he was heavily into PR at the time, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. kind of offered his services to us. And he's been our like PR guy ever since then. But uh, Jason is a man of many talents, uh, which we're going to talk about today. Uh, and he's just produced a short, written, directed, and produced a short film, which we're going to talk about today because uh, it's a pretty special thing that happened, and it's a very, re- very relevant short film. So I want to want to get into the nitty gritty of it. Um, but the great thing about the film is. It's it's a real example of of what can happen when a community comes together and a talented community like we have at Ferris Athletic Club uh, comes together and they they each lend their their talents and their 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 art, art you know their artistic uh, ability and their their visions they all put them together and they come up with something special which is what mm-hmm. Jason's done so congratulations first of all it's right. awesome thank you so much yeah. uh, first of all what do you think of this coffee it's delicious we're we're currently drinking a uh, bourbon barreled uh, beans from Black Mountain Coffee in Idlewild, and um, Brandon's here as well. You enjoying it, Brandon? Mm, different. It's good. You know, it's yeah. a it's a brisk day up here in the mountains, and and uh, the bourbon barrel really adds that kick to the beans that I think you need with it, this it level of chill in the air. It does. Yeah, yeah it's a special uh, special kick. Um, so let, let's talk about you first of all, Jason. Mm-hmm. Um, Let's talk about how you found us at Ferris Athletic Club, where you sort of came in from, and what's kind of happened to you in the last few years, and the kind of the the, the t- trajectory you're now on. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so Ferris, I mean, and almost like I think we found each other in this really kind of amazing way. But I had moved to Los Angeles in 2010. Um, I'd gone to school in Boston. I grew up in the Midwest in Minnesota. And I'd been a competitive swimmer, so I swam uh, Division One at Boston College. And uh, when I came out to Los Angeles, I kind of, you know, said adios to swimming, but started getting more into just weight training. And when I moved from the more like west side of the city, that being West Hollywood, which most people would consider not exactly west side, but in my <laughs> west enough, west enough, yeah. Um, I moved to downtown, and I was looking for, you know, a new way to kind of take my athleticism to a, a new and different level and a higher level. Um, and I was just looking for, you know, the right gym and the right community. And um, I'd done Krav Maga for a while, and that was really great and I really liked it very high intensity interval training based but I missed weight training and I needed Mm -hmm. to find something that was doing kind of both um and at that time in my life I was working as a PR executive um and a lot of my clients were actually in the fitness and hospitality space so Mm -hmm. I was working with some you know gyms like David Barn Gym with a flywheel sports um and 
had those kind of media contacts and, and, and saw what was going on, you know, in that space and what was important for, you know, an emerging, um, a company and community to, to have in their, in their roster, um, when they're going out to market. Yeah. Um, and so my friend, Robert Campbell, who, uh, runs like Bolt in East Hollywood and Virgil Village now, he had actually talked you guys up and he said, oh, you know, my friends, I think you guys were at like, um, what was it? Fit Mindset? Uh, yeah, we, we all came, well, Emily and Jeff both worked at uh, a place called CrossFit Mindset in mm-hmm, Los Feliz. Mm-hmm. Um, I had come to Los Angeles when I was working with Warner Brothers and I was training, uh, I needed a place to train a couple of clients and I reached out to those guys there um, and then they were very good to me. They, they let me come in. They let me train my guys there. And over the over the course of basically a year, uh, me, Emily, and Jeff uh, kind of continued to talk and, and share ideas and stuff and, and decided to to open uh, Ferris Athletic Club. Um, so that was kind of the space in which we met. Yeah, and also I met Robert Campbell there. Mm-hmm. And I used to train with Robert um, and, and Jake and, you know, they're just, just great guys. And, you know, yeah. it, it was... You know, I'm always grateful to that gym because honestly, I built some some relationships there and some friendships that, that are still good to this day. And um, yeah, it's all credit to those guys. Yeah, and so Robert was, you know, telling me about this this gym that you were building and telling me about you guys. And you know, I was looking for a new space, and I was like, well, I need to go check this out. So at that time, um, you were just in this little shed in what is now our parking lot. And I looked up online and I was like, well, I'm just going to go crash a class and, you know, go see what it's all about. Well, obviously it kicked my ass and I really loved it. Um, and you know, got to speak with you and with Emily and, um, told you a little bit about myself and, you know, what I had some, um, knowledge in. And then, you guys showed me, you know, the space that is now this massive um, East Side training complex that is yeah. Arrows Athletic Club. Yeah, and I mean, it was just like nothing was done. It was dirt floors. It was just like you know, kind of chaos. But it was chaos that you could see had this unlimited potential in it. Um, and just in meeting you guys and seeing, you know the care and intention that you put into the programming and, you know, really getting a pretty immediate sense of your personalities and your drive. I was like, okay, well they're going to do this. So I want to be a part of this too. And I want to be able to help out, you know, in whatever way I can. And so what did you, um, what did you think about, cause obviously you'd been in the, the space for a while and you'd seen, like you said, you didn't see these other gyms. Um, and you'd work with these other gyms in, in the media space. What did you think was different about Barris that you hadn't seen in, in other gyms? Well, you know, first of all, it was really like a fa- almost like a family business, it yeah. felt like. So like a lot of gyms, you know, if you're looking at a David Barn gym, uh, an Equinox or, you know, whatever, they have a lot of funding, right? So um, uh, kind of like big money coming in, putting it up investors. Um, and obviously like, even when you're starting a smaller business, like, like Pharaoh's, uh, it's, um, you know, when it initially started, you still need those kind of investors, but you're also, um, 
really putting your whole heart and soul into it as right. the owners, as the founders. Um, and so that was really evident to me that the passion was there for it. And, you know, with these other big gems, it's all about like, you know, obviously membership is so vital, right? You need members to keep the business model afloat and to, to bring in the community. But, but the sense of kind of camaraderie and community mm-hmm. at a gym like Equinox, for example, is just not present, right? Because you're going in, you're oftentimes like putting in your headphones, you're doing your own thing. And and you're getting out. Uh, same with like you know even like a flywheel or soul cycle and uh, the pandemic has really laid waste to those things because like who wants to go into like a tiny little room anymore and like breathe around all these people that you don't know? Right. But um, and so Peloton has really usurped that throne. But um, but it was just like the intentionality of the gym, right? That you were even if you were in there doing your own thing, like not as a part of the classes that you had these experts who were looking at what you were doing and were offering you um, help and helping you with your form and helping you to prevent injury. And that was always baked into, you know, what the motto was and what the goal was. It's like move with purpose and to yeah. get older, like, you know, to like, we're all aging every single day and we want to avoid injury so that we have longevity. And that was like something that we talked about too, because, you know, CrossFit is very appealing because you're looking at these CrossFit athletes and they're all shredded and yoked and you're like, wow, I want to be exactly like that. But long term, it's like, can I be like that? Or like, you know, and we had had those conversations just yeah. about the the kind of grueling nature of CrossFit. And sometimes if you're, if you're slipping out of focus, which it's easy to do when you're going like, you know, absolutely balls yeah. to the wall, doing as too, many, yeah. as many reps, as heavy as possible, as fast as possible, you know, you're more likely to be prone to injury. And so you guys had come up with this model that was, you know, very mobility based, very structured, um, and was the programming. It was very intentional to get you better over time. Like you just show up and you put in the work and you keep track of what, you, where you're at and where you want to be and you'll get there. Yeah. And, and that, that really resonated with me. And I felt like that was something that was missing, uh, in the fitness space, whether you were, a gym like Equinox or a gym like uh, just a CrossFit cave. Yeah, and I, I feel kind of lucky in a way that we we came in at a time when these kind of things were all converging. People were realizing that maybe CrossFit isn't the best thing for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe they've been doing it for a while and were just kind of either burnt out from it or they had got injured or, you know, there, there were just things about it that were not right for them. Um, and pair that with people had been going to Equinox or they'd been going to, you know, some kind of big box gym and just not getting the kind of community uh, and the kind of atmosphere that they needed to really make progress. Mm-hmm. So I feel like we were able to, you know, take those points from those those two differing gyms and kind of be the 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 middle ground, like the the place where we the the the, the equinox of CrossFit gyms, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like mm-hmm. we're we're not um, we're not a CrossFit gym, we're not an equinox, but. You know, we like to think that we offer as much as they offer. And we have obviously all these different programs that do different things. Um, but it's also a space that, you know, it feels clean. The equipment's, you know, great equipment. Mm-hmm. It's not like a, uh, 
it's not a, a a kind of like dirty, grungy kind of CrossFit gym, which I've been in many of those. Right. And it's always a little shocking. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. But um, <laughs> it's also not like, um, not like an Equinox feel where it's like almost, you don't want to touch sterile. anything. It's so, so yeah. sterile and pristine. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, we were able to find a space between those two, those two kind of extremes. And um, yeah, I, I think it was, it was a timing thing. It was a, you know, it was a coming together of ideas thing because obviously myself, Jeff and Emily, we all, came from different places and had different ideas and we were able to really find a, a unique a unique space at a, 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 at a pivotal time in the fitness industry mm-hmm. and i think i think did david button go out completely yeah they did so uh-huh. david button went out i mean equinox obviously is still still going strong 24 hour fitness I, I don't know if they've gone out completely or what's happening there I think they're still a thing like they're still a thing la fitness is still a thing um, I grew up in Minnesota going to Lifetime Fitness. Yes. Which they do a pretty, they, they do, do a, a great really job. Nice job. I do like life. I, there's a great Lifetime in Austin that I, mm-hmm. I enjoy going to. And I, you know, I think for their, for, for what they do, you know, they have great equipment and they do it. They do a great job. But again, it's different. And you, it's totally different. <laughs> and I think what Pharaohs really hit the nail on the head with was, kind of eliminating this intimidation factor right. of entering the space because you could be a CrossFit national level athlete, like some of the people that we do have at Pharaohs, and you can be a complete beginner, right? right? So if you're walking into a space like Equinox and you know, you're know you pretty new to lifting and throwing around weight, I mean, you're not, you don't have someone there who's going to teach you barbell method. Right. 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 So unless you're going to like shell out for, you know, the personal training costs, which can be exorbitant. And, um, and so it's hard to find that. Right. And then, you know, similarly, you're, you're just able to come in and say, okay, I can, I can learn with a group in a very safe space. I'm going to learn this, you know, these movements correctly. And I can advance from there. Right. Um, so right. whereas if, and if you're walking into a CrossFit gym, it's the complete opposite. It can be so wildly intimidating. Right. Right. And so Pharaohs really came into the space and allowed people to grow where you've seen people now who are members who came in not knowing Jack about how to move a barbell. Right. I mean, even I, like, I was like, I've learned so much and I've improved my form so much just by, you know, going to the classes yeah. and, and, and really learning from more experienced others and the coaches and also the other members around me. Like, and it's so been, it's been, it's been fun. It's been fun for me to see because when we, when we eventually open the base, you know, I put mm-hmm. all that nice equipment in the base and um, the base is our open gym, obviously where people can just go and train and do their own thing. You know, this, there was a voice in the back of my head saying, oh my God, like, what if everybody just wants to end up in the base and stop doing classes? Mm-hmm. But the reality is people get better results from going to class, from learning, from sharing, from driving each other and pushing each other. Um, obviously, everything's programmed really well, which is, you know, a huge part of it. But, you know, there's something about that kind of collective suffering, that collective learning, that mm-hmm. that the collective sweating that's that's very, very strong and very, very important. Um, and I think we saw it, you know, especially during the pandemic, right? It was like, mm-hmm. you know, I can't tell you how many people come up to said, this is the only thing I have right now. Like coming to the gym, you know, we had the outdoor gyms going. Mm-hmm. It was the only social contact people had. It was the only time people got to share any kind of experience because apart from that, they were just locked in their homes. That's right. And it was a real, like, um, 
a real not wake up call because I was of course aware of it but you know how important gyms are in our lives and how important like exercise and health and fitness is in our lives just to make a connection mm-hmm. and to obviously get exercise and right you know get healthy and all that kind of stuff so you know as bad and as horrible as the pandemic was uh, for all of us you know there, there were definitely like important lessons and important like you know shining examples of why a gym is important to the community exactly and also just you know showcasing the need to be able to think fast and pivot on your feet i think that you have done such an incredible job with the gym of taking the news as it's come in you know from the onset of the pandemic i remember sending you guys emails being like okay so there's like this virus that's in wuhan right you know it's kind of seems like it's leaving Wuhan and coming around and, you know, we're going to have to start thinking about contingency plans. And, and as that was all happening, you know, you guys found out a way to, okay, we're going to move our facility outside. So once we were able to like out, out of the hardcore lockdown, which also you guys pivoted immediately to doing the online classes. I mean, I was doing those in my apartment Yeah, every single day. Yeah. You know, it was like, do the class and then start drinking just after that, right? Like, <laughs> you know, like, you know right. whatever you needed to do, right? Yeah. So, 10 till 12 exactly, workout. 12 exactly. Lunchtime so, starting. And yeah. then, and then once, you know, we were able to end the online classes, which I still think, you know, especially for, for you guys, like, those were so important because they showed too that the Pharaoh's brand and the, like what you were doing, the programming that you were doing, you are able to do that in a remote location when you're traveling, you know you can check out what you've programmed and you can modify it based off the equipment or non-equipment that you have at your disposal at that time and, yeah. and, and still do something. Like, I think there's just really a lot of people, you know, if, if you're just feeling exhausted and down and out, it's really easy to just like sit down and, and or lay down and, and, and go into a, an inactive state. But if you're going to like, even if you're sweating for like 15 minutes a day, I mean, that is going to really change your, Changes mood, your mindset, yeah. your, your cells yeah. at a molecular level. You're going to be able to fend off, you know, sickness more easily. You're going to recover faster. And, you know, that's not to say that with like COVID necessarily, like this is a whole different like beast and it's its own thing, but but still, like, you know, if you're respecting your body and you're, like, you know, working yeah, I mean, doing those what, right things, it's you're going to have a higher chance yes. of a better recovery. You're going to have better immunity, for exactly. sure. Exactly. For sure. And as we know, like, the more regularly you exercise, the less, the less likely you are to just eat like shit all the time. Because, you know, training well usually goes hand in hand with eating well. Because, honestly, mm-hmm. you, you, your body starts to demand certain things of you. Like, mm-hmm. if I don't eat well then this workout's going to feel terrible. Exactly. You know, if I feel myself properly and, and I, 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 I consume the right nutrients after training, then I'm going to be able to train every day and it's going to feel great and I'm going to feel great. That's right. Um, it's also like, you know, we we try to stay fit so that we can feast, right? Right. So like, you know, I, yeah. like, I want to be able to like work hard so that I can also like enjoy, enjoy this yeah. like, you know, delicious massive meal and like, hell right. yeah, I'm going to get a piece of cake afterwards too or like whatever. Like, you know, if and, you're... And, and honestly, that there is, there's <laughs> something about like during this whole pandemic and this has been going on for two years now, mm-hmm. nobody at the gym got sick. Mm-hmm. People got COVID, mm-hmm. but I don't know anybody that got like sick. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, 
I obviously like I don't down have, and out. Sick. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. I don't have all the data. So many, I, I mean, I feel like at this point, I've known more people who have got COVID than who haven't got COVID. Right. I was actually reflecting on that today because, like, you know, Omicron is like really rearing its head, and I feel like everyone in New York is sick, and then of course they're all coming back to LA, and now I'm like, okay, like people are like this is definitely around, but it's just like taking those precautions, right? So right. it's like you know, and listening to your body, and so when you are feeling down, it's you know then stay home and then right. like, you know, make everyone aware and, and do what you can to protect the community. But the best thing you can do to protect the community is to be also taking care of yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Stay healthy for sure. For sure. So, you know, I guess we were probably a year into the pandemic before you started thinking about this, this film. Oh yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, gosh, the, so. What if- was the initial like, because obviously you were, you were in PR, that you, mm-hmm. I, I guess you were getting to the point where you're like, you know, I want to do something else. There's something mm-hmm. else out there for me. Mm-hmm. What what was the initial impulse to make a movie? Well, you know, I I, I had come to Los Angeles and I wanted to be a writer. Like I was, I'd read, um, I I was a page at NBC Universal between my. Um, like Kenneth from Thirty Rock, like between my uh, <laughs> between my my junior and senior year in college, and that was my first time coming out to Los Angeles, and and also it was like I, I always wanted to be a writer, but I always uh, imagined myself being a journalist. Um, and um, when I read scripts for the first time, because I was working in the PR department there, and um, I read scripts and I'd write the TV guide blurbs for the shows, among other responsibilities. But when I was reading these scripts, like, you know, for 30 Rock and Parks and Rec and um, The Office and Heroes, and I was like, oh, like something really clicked. And I was like, this is this is how I want to tell stories and this mm. is what I want to write. But I didn't know anything about anything about Hollywood, right? right. Except for that I was like just obsessed with TV and movies, like so many other people, and that I I knew I could do this. So... I came back and I'm like, I need to get a job so that I can live, obviously. Um, so I got a job back in PR and and I was writing my my scripts kind of on the side and right. And then I just kind of kept falling upwards in PR and you know I worked uh, doing film and film PR. Like my first job was working with directors like you know Martin Scorsese and David Fincher and helping like their awards campaigns. So I got this really inside look at like that side of the business and I was a little naive and I was like okay well I'm making these connections here and so when I'm like here's my scripts they're gonna be like great come on in and they're like no you're a publicist and a marketer like you know that's not how this works so I was like okay I went and worked for Fandango on their content side for a while and then I fell back into PR doing more of a hospitality focus which is when I started working with some of the fitness um, companies I worked with before and hotels and restaurants and um, and they had this like I mean it's just how it is now but it, the celebrity component to it all so it, and I know I've talked with you about this too but like our society has like kind of fallen into this place where something is only newsworthy if a celebrity or influencer is has you know deemed it as such right. and then someone will write about it because you know this person of massive influence has done it and therefore that means that 
It has some credibility. It has, yeah, yeah, it has credibility, right? right? It can't just be that, like, it's really helped, like, hundreds or thousands or millions of people. It's, like, right. not until it's helped a Gwyneth Paltrow. Unless Jennifer then... Anderson talks about it. Right, <laughs> you know, and so that's why, you know, we've come to a really dangerous place, like, I think, in society for that reason. Yeah, um, I agree. Um, it's, it's a little alarming, but... Anyhow, like I, I was doing that and I was feeling, um, I was feeling very unsatisfied and I was feeling like I had come here to do this thing. And I just became one of those people who was here doing this thing where I had this dream and, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't like really going after it, but I had kept writing. And so I, I had these scripts and I just started showing them to people. I'd met this writer, um, Gary Lennon, who is a producer on Hightown, and he's he's a really incredible writer. And I met him, like, at a, like, gay coffee. And, right. um, and so I just called him one day, and I was like, well, I didn't just call him one day. I, like, was, like, text, DM'd him and then texted him. And then, like, you know, you have to follow up with people, like, a hundred times before they maybe get back to you. Um, and Gary was really kind and got back to me. And I was just like, okay, I have this thing. People really like it. I don't know what to do. I need representation. Like, I was just like, what yeah, should what I, I do? Yeah. And he's like, send it to every single person you know. Like, shamelessly. Like, send it to anyone with, like, even, like, six degrees of separation in the industry. Like, you just never know, right? right. Like, you know, I'm not sending it to... Like, oh, hey, David Fincher, I did right. the awards campaign for, like, the social network. And, like, <laughs> right, right, <laughs> remember right. me? And he's like, no, I don't remember <laughs> you. And, like, what are you talking about? Um, but I did. I just started sending it out. And, actually, Jason Berg um, had read it. And then he connected me with a management company. And they loved my script. And then I got signed as, and I got representation. Oh, great. Fantastic. And so that was, like, twenty. 2018 yeah the end of 2018 the top of 2019 Mm. so i'm like i've made it you know um (laughs) (laughs) lol and um but you know every little every little step was it this script that no 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 different script different script different script script. um and so you know but all of a sudden like i was like okay i have like representation and i'm going out to meetings and i'm doing these things and so i had left pr really like kind of behind i was no longer at the agency i was at i was like had like some freelance stuff here and there but i decided to take a restaurant job and just focus i was like okay i'm gonna focus on doing what i want to do yeah and you know the thought was and is, right, like this could take me three years, five years, ten years, but hell, I'm probably going to live till I'm like over a hundred years old, right? Like, so I'm probably going to be like working until I'm 70 something or who knows. Like, this Well, is... these days probably more like 85. Right, right. <laughs> and so like these are decades, right? Like yeah. I don't want to be doing something that I don't want to be doing. Right for decades i might as well like try to give it everything i have and you know go after what i want so so i i really started to do that but um i i the the whole thing with die shirley the short film that that i actually finally made was i had wanted to make something because i've have a ton of scripts that i've wrote and um and they're like well received i 
in great meetings, you know, but I haven't made any of them. You know, they, these things cost yeah. a, it's, they're so, it's so outrageously expensive to produce right. anything in film and television. Um, and it, takes a whole community of of people like you know it's just so involved and it's it's such an art and it's such an expensive art it's the most expensive artistic medium that exists and um i was like i want to prove that i can also make something because that should you know hopefully open more doors and um and prove that i can do more than just write but that i can you know produce something that i can direct actors that i can put something together you know yeah. to really create something um so i wanted to just do a little thing and i was with some friends in like march and my friend started choking and so i saved him right so i like you know hit his bag and he came in something came up yeah, yeah exactly so <laughs> i didn't wasn't like performing like cpr or like the heimlich on him but like you know whatever and then i was just like gosh what if we like didn't what if you just like didn't like someone and they started choking around you and you just like let them die? It was a dark thought, but I had it. <laughs> and, and, and so then I was just thinking about like, okay, well, what if it was, you know, your family member who is coming in and just, you know, all they're doing is talking about, you know, being sanctimonious or like you know having these views that you don't agree with but like and and what if they started dying i just started thinking about thanksgiving and like what a family would look like and how that could all take place and and how that's really how the idea came about yeah and then i kind of just went home and 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 wrote it so let's let's tell let's <laughs> tell people about die surely what 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 exactly is it um, so Die Shirley is a absurdist satire. It's kind of like a little bit of a reaction to our current environment and, and, and kind of virtue signaling, but also, um, you know, kind of just these ideas of what is right and what is wrong and how, you know, it's obnoxious to just talk about it all the time, but Essentially, it, it follows this family called the Sadstones, and the ostracized black sheep of this family is is their daughter Shirley, and and Shirley is you know Shirley's pronouns are she they um, she's bi she's like you know totally like different from this very like upper middle class like polished family who only talks about money. And even though she was born into this family, she's like more of like a rebel rebel, right? Yeah. She's like the black sheep of the family. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Like the cool goth, yeah. like anarchist, leftist black sheep, right? Even though she did also grow up with this like, you right. know, silver spoon in her mouth. Yeah. Um, but now she's rejected that fully. And her family can't stand her. So they don't even invite her to Thanksgiving. But she ends up showing up anyway because she saw it on one of their partner's stories on, like, Instagram or TikTok or whatnot. And so she shows up and it just ruins this family's, like, idyllic Thanksgiving. And, you know, we were talking about, like, you know, I wrote this, like, you know, last spring. and, And then we shot it over the course of two days in August. And... You know, so 
they're dealing in this world where they're all fully vaccinated, but like, you know, wearing masks and, and talking about like, you know, the new variants that are emerging. So it ended up being pretty prescient, like in the yeah, sense, sure. right. Yeah. That it came out and because it took place during Thanksgiving, I was really determined to have it come out like in November so that people could kind of like relate to it on this yeah. sense. But, but really it was kind of going after and skewering this like new like neoliberal kind of thought that has emerged where people are you know these very like you know virtue signaling elitist who like are just really obsessed with money and market value and image but actually at their core are pretty rotten yeah and um and surely like you know despite being some of these things that people roll their eyes at like vegan or like you know like whatever i mean she actually does have a heart. She's right. the one who's like actually the the like good person, right? In this kind of very rotten, money obsessed family. Yeah, and and I just loved when when you watch it. I I mentioned this to you before, but I just loved how you know you highlighted so many hypocrisies that have existed within this pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, because like you like you just said, like there's a ton of like virtual signaling going on, but there's also like. This is terrible, but oh, it's okay if we do it because of this situation. And mm-hmm. it's all very like, you know, there were people who were like, oh, you know, that place shouldn't be open. This place shouldn't be open. But they were going out and partying with their friends. And it was kind of like, this is okay, but that isn't okay. And it was very like, it's okay for you and your group, but you don't want other people doing it. And it was all very... Right. You know, or like, we can get together for this little thing, but don't post about it on social media. Like, don't show other people. Right. So it's just like, you know, and then they like, you know, off their grandpa. Like, right. right. So yeah, like, exactly. you know, like, exactly. so there's, they end up, they have a, this family has a bad track record for keeping their um, elders alive, but... Yes. But they have a lot to work through. Yeah, we won't tell people too much because we want people to watch this and, and enjoy <laughs> yeah. it. But, um, you know, I think you did a great job of, you know, representing so many different yeah, like types of people uh, mm-hmm. that, that exist all the time, but specifically during this pandemic, different different opinions and, like we said, different hypocrisies um, and different points of view. Um, and, you know, I think also highlighting like the difficult situations we've kind of found ourselves in in this pandemic, mm-hmm. of, like like you know, you want to be on the right side of things and you don't want to be a dick, but at the same time, things are happening that you're like, well, that doesn't make any sense. And that seems to be, you know, hypocritical or, you know, all that kind of stuff. So, and I think humor is a great way to tackle these, these things. I think it's the best. (laughs) I think it's really like, I think it's the best way to tackle these things. I mean, everything is so heavy right now. And even like, you know, it's about to be 2022 and this is like the second calendar year that we've been going through a pandemic. Um, and, you know, the numbers like even right now are, are, are really alarming. And and I think that, you know, humor allows you to look at something a little differently and levity can break the heaviness, right, yes. that we're all experiencing. And it is a great unifying thing. Um, and so it allows you to just examine, you know, what's going on, uh, through a different lens. Yeah. And, and hopefully maybe laugh at yourself and think, yeah, I, that, I was kind of like that. That's, you know, well, and I, mean? I think we've gone through, I think we've all gone through those moments. Like I know I've gone through those moments where like, you know, you're like, no, we, we need to like really adhere to this. And if you don't do this and you're a total asshole and then, you know, and you're like kind of looking back and you're like, oh, 
now that we have this other, this more knowledge and uh, a different perspective of things as, as things have gone on, you're realizing that some of that behavior was completely, you know, ridiculous. Right. And right. um, and you have to be able to laugh at yeah. it. Yeah, and what's kind of shocking is that people people won't go back on what they said, and they will just double down on the wrong thing until you know, and they won't they won't say actually this was kind of silly, like we didn't need to do that. Right. But rather than say that because they don't want to lose face, they'll just mm-hmm. keep doubling down on bad ideas, mm-hmm. um, which is like a huge obviously uh repetitive thing during this pandemic, right when but. you're digging in right and that's i think that's what we're we're really witnessing right is because uh, everything everyone's become so tribal and so it's yes. it's really easy to think that um you know if you're telling someone um that they are wrong depending on how you tell them that they're wrong they'll either dig their heels in more and just resist you to the to a point of complete lunacy, right? Yes. Where you're like, well, like clearly, like no, like the president is not a reptilian alien. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, you know, right. this is completely, totally nuts. Right. Um, but they will dig their heels in so much more just so that they can own you. It's become this like it's become this like society that's all about like you know, one upping and owning the other person to try to make them look stupid. And the reality is all of us look pretty stupid a lot of the times. Right. I mean, not always, right? But like you have to be able to laugh. And and humor is a really great unifier and it can allow people to like s- to sense something and to to heal from things and yeah. and to like open up their point of view without being like you know directly accusing and it yes. shows you that like we're all being ridiculous and of course that means like not like mean spirited humor where you're like you know just like slamming someone in this like really malicious way but like in a way that's like hey like we're all human beings and we've all fucked up and we can all laugh yeah. at well the great know, thing about things. making the great thing about making an independent film where you have no you know you have no uh, responsibility to anybody you're, you're not trying to please anybody mm-hmm. you're just making your own film mm-hmm. is that you can be open-minded and you can encourage people to be open-minded through through humor mm-hmm. and hopefully through laughing at themselves they will become more open-minded because mm-hmm. like you were saying everybody's very uh, tribalist and they're all very like this is my opinion, this is right, and you have to believe what I believe. And it's like, I've always come to come at things like, you have to be open-minded, you have to listen to every side, you have to take into consideration all these different points of view and aspects and and, and what what this person is going through in their situation and what this person is going through in situa- th- their situation because we're all in different situations. Mm-hmm. Like, what's relative to this person isn't relative to th- this person, and you have to take all these different perspectives into, to right. into consideration. And then you develop, hopefully, a well-rounded point of view that makes good sense but mm-hmm. I, I i just feel like now there's there's so many people that don't do that they, they've they lost the ability to be open-minded and they just want the the single track of this is right and this is wrong and this person is bad and this person is good right that's exactly that's exactly it and nothing you know nothing is black and white like everything is in this like really gray scale and so you know i think the most important thing that I hope people are coming out of, you know, having had two years of pandemic and this like, you know, horrible like recession and, and uh, like kind of bleak, you know, outlook on the future is that, is that it's, 
you have to empathize with like each person's situation and you Mm. have to be able to see, you know, through their eyes and like, okay, well, why are they thinking like that and what's affected them in their life and what matters to them? And then, you know, try to like extend this branch where they can also see it from your perspective without saying, you know, this is, this is the only way that's the only way. Right. It's black. It's white. It's right. like okay. Well, we need to 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 understand how each other are feeling so that we can create some like common good consensus that's going to actually benefit the community as a whole and lift us all up together. Yeah, and also like you know the the presentation of uh, different points of view and 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 having conversations and and developing good uh, good talking points with with good facts and and data and that kind of th- stuff. It's far more important than, and I'm, I'm kind of laughing to myself because right before this, we watched this uh, acapella group uh, from the White House singing about the booster, oh, uh, which yeah. was pretty, pretty funny. Pretty cringe. But, but pretty cringe. <laughs> pretty it's cringe. Like, it's like if you want to educate people and you want to help people understand and you want to get your point of view across, you know, there is a way of doing it that isn't just this kind of like blanket, like obvious kind of like throwing it down people's throats, kind of like, this is what you should do. This is why you should behave. And this is how you, this is how you be a good person. And it's just like, oh my God, what is happening? (laughs) I mean, it's really, it's really like, um, an Armando Yanucci, like Veep style, like curb your enthusiasm style, like level of cringe. And so you're seeing, unbelievable. you're seeing coming out of the white house. It's just like, what is happening? Yeah. It's, it's, it's a lot. And you, you, you're looking at and you're like, oh my gosh, is this in my short film, my short satire? No, this is real life. And it's, um, it's yeah. an, I'm I'm sure it's not going to win many folks over, <laughs> um, you know, but to give some folks context, it's about going and get your boosters, which, of course, you should go and do that. But, like, I don't know if you're going to be spurred to do that by, like, an acapella group singing about boosters. Well, and also, if you're already, <laughs> if you're already hesitant and if, if you're already, like, there is some kind of, like, weird, like, conspiracy going on and this doesn't feel right, like, that kind of thing is a appealing exactly to those fears of like oh my god we're in a like a weird crazy tv yeah it's probably it's probably not the best it's probably (laughs) not the best messaging to convince anyone who who thinks that perhaps there's something you know going on that's yeah that's that's very very strange but exactly to your point you know like people are more inclined to believe in their beliefs rather than facts facts if you're going facts versus beliefs with humans Beliefs are always going to trump facts, right? And, like, this is, you know, this has been documented throughout history. And, like, you know, it's like, of course. you know, and both Carl sides Sagan can, both would say sides something. Both sides manipulate facts to fit in with their beliefs and their ideologies, which right. is, the, which is the, the problem, really. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so, our, you know, our beliefs, like, need to be rooted in scientific fact right so there is like you know we have a scientific method and people should really think critically and skeptically about about the world around them and you know through real evidence then they should like come to these facts come to these conclusions that are going to you know help benefit them individually their families the community as a whole because we're going down these like crazy rabbit holes that are just like, well, but I believe. And I'm like, okay, well, that 
doesn't mean anything. Right. Like, you know, right. I wish it did, but yeah. there's some other, there's some other things that we need to, to talk about. And it's just the erosion of faith in any institutions. Right. right. Yeah. So, and we're seeing, we're seeing that kind of across the board and, and it's, it's a little frightening. Well, but, yeah. I mean, there's just been so many like failures of leadership. And also we talked about celebrity and like people turning to celebrities for answers and that kind of stuff. And it's just like, oh my God. Oh yeah. We have just put the wrong people in charge of the world. Right now. Well, right. And, and most people obviously get their news now through social media. So most mm-hmm. people are learning, learning things from whoever's posting on Instagram mm-hmm. and, you know, um, whatever, whatever thing that particular celebrity is saying on, on any certain day or what they've been paid to say by a certain company. And it's a very kind of weird Right. And it it just, it just spreads so quickly. And we're also this society that's now just inclined to look at a headline. And Mm. we know, like, I mean, I can tell you, obviously working in PR, anyone can probably tell you this, that like headlines are sensationalized. Oftentimes the writer of a piece, like if you're even like a well-written story in the New York Times or, or, you know, Hollywood Reporter or wherever. So they might write a story and then their editor, like, in chief or whomever's in charge of like that section of the paper or the the magazine they come up with the headline yes and so they want to sell more and so they're always going to make it as sensationalized as possible for sure so you'll click on it right and 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 that's obviously getting worse because it's harder and harder to sell print it's harder and harder Mm -hmm. to sell newspapers now you know people don't buy newspapers anymore really Mm -hmm. so they feel like they have to be even more sensationalist that's right you know to to be relevant and, to, to, to make money. And a lot of the companies and websites that are like, you know, surviving have massive corporate sponsors, right? So the people who are actually like, you know, no one is flocking to some of these websites very often, right? Like the the mass the, the masses aren't, but they're going after like a very niche um audience of who is of like these kind of like tastemakers and kind right. of the, some of the people that i'm skewering right in die shirley like right. the the kids in particular right. who are very like you know obsessed with the market and obsessed with like you know like tech like tech and like that sort of mm-hmm. like section of our society who's now dictating like who's seeing what and what's acceptable right. and what's not i mean you're seeing it all the time, like with people getting like, you know, shadow banned on, on Instagram and on YouTube. And it's all t- at the like saying, oh, we're, we're quelling disinformation. That's great. But like the internet is supposed to exist in this like very democratized fashion where, you know, the truth should filter up to the top. Right. Um, right. It's hard to do that when things are so sensationalized. And then even at these companies like, let's take like Politico or like the Hill. If you're looking for like, um, for, you know, you know, your political news. I mean, those are just being funded by places like Exxon Mobil. They're being funded by like Monsanto. They're being funded by lobbyists, the same lobbyists who like, you know, really have their, who are, who are funding the campaigns for our, uh, most of our elected officials. And so right. it's really easy to see how society can spin into this, like, you know, the conspiracy theory, like sure. wormhole, because yeah. if you're following like the money, you're going to say, okay, well, like they're, ser- they're serving these very like specific donor interests and they're pushing a very specific narrative across these, you know, journalistic, um, like you know, platforms that are meant to be upholding 
the truth above all else. Right. But when Jeff Bezos owns the Washington Post, right. and then they're running op-eds about like the benefits of billionaires, it's really hard to see like how that makes any right. sense and how that's not just actually pure propaganda. Bias. Propaganda, yeah, yeah. And I, I, I'm assuming like as a journalist, um, which you, your you know your initial intended mm -hmm. career, it must be a very scary time because journalists aren't now perhaps what they once were or haven't got the ability to be what they once were, which is just like truth seekers, right? Well, that's I wanna, right. I want to I wanna find something and write the truth about it. Now it's everything is... That's channeled. right. And and if you're thinking about like, you know, the United States of America and, you know, we have three branches of government and they're supposed to act as these checks and balances. And essentially what the fourth branch should be in terms of like those checks and balances is the free press, right? right. right. And so... When you see now that like Congress is being funded by special interest lobby groups that are also the same ones buying the advertisements for like CNN, Fox, MSNBC, um, The Hill, like, you know, these conglomerations. Well, so the press isn't acting as that fact checker anymore. Then when you have independent journalists who are coming out and they're trying to put their stuff on platforms like YouTube. Well, they're being shadow banned because if they're talking about COVID-19 and they're actually t telling you, like, you know, the truth about, like, numbers or about research or whatever, the algorithms that control, like, you know, YouTube and Google and these places are just flagging, like, oh, that they're talking about COVID or they're talking about, um, you know, whatever other horrible thing that, you know, society does need to right. recognize and talk about at the moment. And they're just going to push them to the bottom of the algorithm and shadow ban them. And they're going to lift up the places that are, have been deemed throughout like, you know, decades and decades of being actually like, you know, when they were like bastions of truth and like, you know, light, like people telling the truth. Well, now they're, they have been corrupted by a lot of right. money. And so like, even when you're listening to NPR, I listen to NPR every single day, but they're like, oh, you know, Facebook, which is now Meta, is a um, contributor to NPR, and we will be talking about them in the story, but we'll be doing it, like, in a very truthful way. It's like, okay, good. I, like, I still right. believe you, NPR. Like, I really do, but... I know that they're getting these tentacles in for sure. with influence. It's and like so, it's like when you watch a news program and at the end it says, this program is brought to you by Pfizer. It's like... Right. <laughs> like, okay. Right. That's... I mean, Johnson & Johnson was just like the worst, right? Because like they had, they, they were pushing that, their shot and, and it just turned out to be such a dud. And like, you know, it really isn't really helping anyone. Like they're even saying now like, Johnson and Johnson, and I think it's AstraZeneca, like literally give no protection against like the Omicron variant. Right. So, so it's just it's it's a, just a hot mess, and money really um, money gets you very far in our society, and right. it can get you to the top. And if you want to be, you know, invited to like the right like functions, and if you want to be on the front page of something, I mean, it just takes money. Like, even that was, like, the first lesson I learned in PR during these awards campaigns for films. I mean, they hire firms, throw a lot of money at them to make sure that the right people are seeing the movie so that it gets the award nomination. Because right. if your film is nominated for an award, you're going to make so much more money off of sure. it, right? Yeah. So, like, it, the prestige factor goes up. Well, how does one get the prestige factor? 
yeah, like the the best stuff should always rise to the top, like we said, but in our algorithm-controlled society, that's becoming increasingly harder to do. And so you need a lot of money and you need that machine behind you to push you to the top. Right, so it's right. it's just really difficult. And these are kind of the things that we need to... Um, be aware of at least be aware of and actually and and just be speaking out about more and that's why a lot of my writing is uh, is i write a lot of satire a lot of like comedy dark dark comedy um satire because like i've always been obsessed with the news and with media and i think it's i think it's vital to be aware of what's going on around us for sure yeah i mean i was talking to a friend and he's so happy and I'm like, and he had done so much. And I was like, what's your secret right now, dude? And he's like, I stopped listening to the news. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Uh, it's funny. I, I, I spoke to a lot of people lately and they said, you know what I did? I took a month off Instagram and I can't tell you like the difference mm-hmm. it made to my life. I oh, yeah. So much happier. Oh, my gosh. So I like, I, I, I completely like, so I'm so torn because I'm such a news junkie. Like I read so much and, um, and I go into like these deep dives and I, I just, I mean, I love it. I have like, that's how my mind works. And I really, so I like to, to know as much as I can. And, yeah. and I, and I take that very serious. Like I'm not listening to like, you know, gibberish or people who are like you know pushing whatever kind of conspiracy theories or whatever i'm like you know thought leaders and philosophers and 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 accredited journalists i mean back to like the journalist thing a lot of them are on Substack now or on patreon now yes and so that's all well and good but like hell i've been on fucking food stamps for the past year like when the restaurant shut down like i lost my like main source of income during the pandemic and like now i'm working again so things are better but like I'm sorry, I can't give you $20 a month right now because, like, I barely have that for myself at right. the moment. So so we do have these means, and there are really incredible journalists who are who are doing the right things. Like, David Sirota is one of them, and he has this um, daily poster. And his whole journalistic beat is following the money, right? So, like, who mm. is contrib- – what lobbyists are contributing to, like, whose re-election campaign – who's funding like, you know, XYZ um, media outlet. And and his work is really um, powerful and enlightening. And it just doesn't get the coverage it deserves. But is I, he I on hope, Substack? Yeah, he's yeah. on Substack. And he also just co-wrote Don't Look Up with Adam McKay, which is that Leonardo DiCaprio, Jennifer oh, Lawrence, yeah. Meryl Streep movie. So, so, you know, Adam McKay is like a good leftist. And like, he's like uh, doing some really great work and obviously he has his you know roots with like will ferrell and head started with like you know stepbrothers and and all that kind of farce film which i really love so he's right. someone who i i'm a huge fan of yeah but there are yeah. those people out there doing those things yeah it's, it's it's honestly been it's been really enlightening for me to come in like obviously as a british guy and, and coming into the like american political landscape and looking at how you know, people are very either in one camp or the other and they can't seem to like say, mm-hmm. well, this guy on this side, you know, he's actually not that bad. Like he makes some good points. It's like either they're on the wrong side of it and they're like terrible mm-hmm. or they're on the right side of it and they're perfect. There's no like, right? you know, um, there's no like, if, if someone, if you were on the left and there was someone on the right that, that was making some, some good conversations mm-hmm. and making some good mm-hmm. points. I feel like a lot of people on the left wouldn't say, actually, that person doesn't make sense. It would always be like, 
oh no, he's a terrible like Republican. Right. And and the same on the other side. And like, it's like both things can be true. Yeah. You know, like you know, there there are people who might have some some opinion that like is totally wrong, maybe completely conspiratorial, like has actually been disproved. They still believe it because like what we talked about before, like their their firm belief will always trump the truth in some aspect, like unless they do some real proper like skeptical thinking and soul searching. But they can also be right about other things so, you know right. and so and so you have to take you have to take a person for their whole self and yeah. not just like you know damn them for having said one thing that you like is is wrong or is bad i mean we need to become a society that is uh, more forgiving of people because everyone well, everyone is bound to mess up and, also, and everyone fucked up during this pandemic yeah. everyone like no one no one is like walking around no having perfect. done everything yeah. right and if they're acting like they did I guarantee you that they're a hypocritical. They, they're the sad stones. Yeah, you know? yeah exactly, exactly. So. And it's interesting. Like one of the one of the, the the first things you learn as your kid is is not to take sides. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Is it's like, you know, taking every every situation for for its own thing and and listen to people and, um, you know, try and empathize with different different opinions and different mm-hmm. um, situations. Um, and when I grew up in the UK. You know, my family, we weren't tied to any political party. It was like, mm-hmm. I think some years my mum and dad voted conservative. Some years they voted Labour. Mm-hmm. They just, whoever they felt was the best person at the time to be in charge of the country, that's who mm-hmm. they voted for. So I, mm-hmm. I grew up with that very kind of, and they also voted for the Liberal Democrats, I think. And that's the majority of people. You know, that's actually where we should be as a society. I think, you know, we live in Los Angeles or like, you know, close to it anyway, at least now. But like, yeah. you get... the there's this sense of this like kind of like coastal blue elite um, messaging. The majority of people are independent thinkers, right? right? And so they're going to go between like different. Do you think messages. that's true in this country? I do. That the think majority so. of people are independent. Thinkers? I just think that the people on either side of these camps have the biggest microphone I, I and megaphones, yeah. and yeah. whomever the is screaming the loudest yeah. is going to get the most attention, right? Right. Like. And, and a lot of people, like, you know, I think everyday Americans, like, are probably just, like, they're not, like, they're not on Twitter. You know what I mean? They're not, like, they're not going out and making a big stink right. of X, Y, and Z. They're just living their lives, and they, they want to have their lives get better. And so, you know, I think that they're just hoping that those promises will eventually be be kept by whomever is in power. And and I think, you know, for the last few election cycles, they're just not seeing their lives improve in any sort of meaningful way. Right. And so they're kind of becoming disillusioned. But I think when, you know, the right people come around with, like, the right messaging and then, like, deliver on their promises, then that will be a big aha moment for people. But at at this time, I think it's just whomever is screaming the loudest is always going to get the most attention. Right. And there's a lot of people screaming really loudly right now yeah. on both sides. Yeah. Or all over the place. Um, yeah, it's a crazy world right now. Um, just taking a step back to the movie itself, mm-hmm. um, you know, you talked about you know how expensive expensive it is to get a movie made. How did the construction of the actual shoot take place? Mm-hmm. As in, mm-hmm. you had the script, you knew you wanted to make it, you took some advice. How did you get like? And I know there's a lot of people listening to this that maybe want to be filmmakers or movie makers mm-hmm. or do what you did. So how did you how did you get? The cameraman and how did you get the the directors and how did you get the cast and mm-hmm. how did you put it all together yeah i think that um you know back to like kind of what gary lennon first told me when i was like hey i have this you know these scripts and 
and I want to get them out there. It's really about sending them out, and you have to be your own advocate in that regard, and you have to like take that risk of of make of sharing your of sharing your work with people, and that can be really scary. But if you don't do it, then you know you're never gonna move um, forward at all. You'll just kind of stay in one place, and you know, like I said, Jason Berg. So like, kind of like pharaohs, right? Like. Uh, I'd come into this East Side community, and it was just so inviting. And and you know, you just got to know who you were working out around, and mm. um, and got to like meet people and see what they were about and what they were interested in. So like, you know, Jason was is this like incredible cinematographer and director, and so like I was working with him, and um, and and then Josh and Tina Oric. Um, Tina Carter and Josh Oreck, who are, you know, a partner, they they have a production company. Um yeah. and narrators that exactly yeah. and narrator. And so they had um they had seen some of the work that I had done with you guys. And Tina, who's just like the an best. angel sent yeah. from heaven, like, you know, like the best. They're so funny. They're so wonderful. They're so warm. I mean, like, um, she was like, oh, like that's what you do? Like, come and see what we do. So I went over, you know, to their operation. Have you been and... to their new place? They're like... Oh, yeah, the, the, the nunnery. nunnery. It's, a, it's, it's incredible. incredible. It's yeah. incredible. And um, and so I started doing some work for them. And, like, you know, they had read some of my writing, too. And they had kind of told me, they're like, you know, when you want to do something, like, let us know and we'll help you out. Because they have, like, you know, they have equipment. Like yeah, they, they did have, a video for us as exactly. well. It was fantastic. Yeah. They have camera equipment. They have such a great operation. Um, they, they're they just so wonderful to their staff and to, like, the people who work for them and, and work with them. And, and so that was really obvious. And they're just so warm and generous. And, um, and so I knew that they were there. Um, I had, like, Robert Campbell, who introduced us, you know, like, he has he has bull and he's like just also the same kind of like warm and generous person and um and so he had kind of uh i i I was thinking about him and really though my um my co-director on this project is this really talented um young filmmaker named ben simpkins and i met ben on the beach and like we just met because our friend introduced us and they were like oh Ben's a writer, Jason's a writer. And then we just started sending each other our stuff. Mm. And, you know, it's kind of similar tones. Like, he's really funny. He has, like, a really dark sense of humor. Um, like, you know, very left of center. And um, and so we just started, like, collaborating. And so I think it's all about, like, when you're when you're aware of, like, who's around you and, like, thinking about, like, gosh, like, how can we collaborate with each other? Um so I had sent this thing to Ben and I was like, hey, I really want to direct this. And I was like, do you want to executive produce it with me? And he was like, let's co-direct this. And I was like, done. So we co- we decided we'd co-direct it, co-executive produce it. So we just put up all the money for it. Um, you know, I called Tina and Josh. Um, so we got the camera equipment and they gave me their house. Like we oh, shot it in their house. house. Oh, shit. And Tina gave me her her dad to play the grandpa <laughs> so like i mean oh, this is like this is like a tina carter and josh oric like you know they are like our 
my angel investors in this thing because they they were just so generous. Like they right. gave, you know, they 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 believed in me and they believed in the project and they were like, here's the keys to the house, have fun for the weekend. I mean, straight up. So That's amazing. And then I had, you know, uh Robert, like, you know, we provide we after we got the whole thing cast, which was super fun. I worked like they're just killer LA comedians in this. It's like Steph Tolov, who's like Comedy Central Special, Zach Noe Towers, Comedy Central Special, Chase Bernstein, Comedy Central Special. We got this guy Tolliver. We had actually, one of our actors, the day before we were going to shoot, got COVID. So we recast him in a day. Got this incredible actor, Tolliver, who's like also this insanely talented musician he's on kcrw i mean just he's the shit so he came in nailed this thing um robert came in and did our like catering and then one of the other actors um sam digiovanni i met him at pharaoh's too i couldn't find this like missing piece of the cast was this like you know snarky like funny elitist little gay and character and my friend's like you know, Sammy's <laughs> and, and like, and Sammy is nothing like this character in right. real life. Like he's such a good actor. He's nothing like this character in real life. Um, but we were auditioning for it and he, you know, we auditioned him and he, he just killed, killed it. it. So, I mean, without those connections, you know, that I made through Pharaoh's like, I don't know that this would have been, yeah, that's fantastic. I mean, I'll say that I would have had done it regardless, but somehow like, through some force of will, but really it was like, that's the most important thing about going to, you know, being a a part of a community that's like constantly pushing you forward, which I think Pharaoh's really does like just in terms of our, our, our physical fitness, um, our, our mental being, creating really powerful, you know, interpersonal relationships. But, you know, we're in a very creative city. All human beings are creative. But yeah, we're in a very creative city. Here's what here's what I love about uh, LA and what I love about Faris. Um, and you know there are great things about LA and not great things about LA. But what I will say is, mm-hmm. like everything, right? Like everything. <laughs> it's what I what I love is people that chase their dreams. And that sounds corny. It sounds you know, it sounds kind of like mm-hmm. Disneylandish. But um. There's a lot of people in LA and a lot of people at Ferris Athletic Club who truly do chase their dreams. They come here with a purpose. They make sacrifices. They lay it all on the line and they don't stop until their dreams happen. Uh, whether that be a writer, whether that be an actor, an actress, a producer, um, whatever field they are in, they came to this city from, and we all come from you know, the middle mm-hmm. of nowhere. I come yep. from a small island in England. You come from Minnesota. Where, and, you know, there are so many people from so many different places just all coming here to try and make something special happen. And you are one of those people. Uh, and you are one of many, luckily, at mm-hmm. Ferris. And this project is an exact example of a group of people that come to LA to chase their dreams and make something happen. And it fills me with great joy that, that you met those people at Ferris because when we first opened the gym, I said to to my business partners, like, I want this to be a place where art and fitness come together. Yes. Yeah. I Um, remember you saying that to me too. Yeah. I wanted it to be, Mm -hmm. you know, when we first opened, I remember I had, I had my guitar on the wall in the lobby. I had some Bruce Springsteen pictures up. I had some, (laughs) some things they're not there anymore because Jeff took them down. But, um, (laughs) but I I wanted it to, because I knew, I knew what, like, because I come from a very musical background. Emily comes from a very musical background. We're very kind of artistic people. Um, and I think sometimes that seemed to be as a juxtaposition mm-hmm. to fitness, 
But the reality is, you know, I what I always say is it's all just expression. You either express yourself physically in the gym mm-hmm. or you can express yourself uh, artistically in the gym. It's all part of the same mm-hmm. uh, same bubble. Um, and I, I wanted it to be a space where those two kind of worlds collide, uh, where you get like the 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 magic that happens with art mixed with the the sweat that happens with fitness um because that just brings a, a a real interesting community together full of talent full of ambition um full of drive um and i feel like it's a community that's willing to share and willing to lend themselves to each other just like Tina and Josh mm-hmm. lend themselves to mm-hmm. you uh, and because people people want to see other people succeed in their dreams mm-hmm. it's not like it's not a place of bitterness or like, well, this person's that. It's, it's, it's a place right. of like, you know, we all want each other to, to succeed in whatever chosen path we have. And if we can help them do that, then let's do it. Yeah, it's aspirational, right? It's like, you know, we can all rise up together and we can all help each other out. And that's like what we need to, you know, what we really need to be focused on right now um, collectively, like not just at Pharaohs and in Los Angeles and in the country, but like all around the world, you know, we, we need to be helping out, helping each other out as much as we can. Right. And it's, it's always better to have that, you know, collaborative mindset rather than a competitive mindset. I mean, I know we can get a little competitive with each other in the gym too, and there's a healthy way to be competitive. For sure. For sure. But it's, you know, you're not going to ever be your best self unless you're collaborating with others. I agree. I completely agree. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, it's a, it's a fantastic thing, like I said, for, for me to witness and to see happen. And like I said, I'm, I'm thrilled that it happened at Varus. And I'm sure many more things will happen like this mm-hmm. at Varus. And I'm sure this is the start of something, you know, a great career for you. Um, and yeah, I hope that you continue to find people at Varus that can help you achieve further success. And I'm sure you will. Um, how do people watch Die Shirley? How's it? We have put Die Shirley out on the interwebs. Um, so it is on YouTube if you just, if you search Die Shirley, D-I-E-S-U-R-E-L-Y, she'll pop up. Um, there's also an Instagram, which is die.shirley, so at Die Shirley. And um, I, I made some I made some TikToks. I had to hey. jump on TikTok to do that. Um, All the things you have to do these yeah, days. Yeah, exactly. It was a fun exercise. Um, and then it's also on Vimeo. So okay, she's great. searchable if you Google it. Um, she'll come up. Um, so, so yeah, she's so out there. Watch that, guys. Share it with your friends. Make sure everyone watches it. It's a fantastic uh, piece of filmmaking. Like I said, it's witty. It's funny. It's interesting. Um, and it, it's very, very relevant. And I think we can all learn a lot from it. Uh, Jason, thanks so much for coming up today. Um, Jason you. came all the way up to the Lodge. What do you think of the Lodge, by the way? Uh, the Lodge is everything. It's so you. I mean, <laughs> right. it's so it's so you and Emily. I like. It, I absolutely love it. It's gorgeous. It's crisp up here. I mean, it's just like your own little slice of like Yellowstone and <laughs> right. in California. Yeah, it's and it's great this time of year because it feels like a very festive kind of place to be it does it's a good christmas house for sure. yeah it's wonderful okay guys that's it for today uh thanks for tuning in um make sure you check out jason what's your personal instagram as well it's uh hazard h-a-z-z-a-r-d human uh just at hazard human yeah that's it there you go there you go so make sure you follow him make sure you watch this movie uh and yeah we'll be back soon uh, of course we are open for everything right now at Ferris Echo Park. Um, 
1316 Glendale Boulevard. Uh, the Lodge is also open. We're taking bookings for next year. Uh, I think we're fully booked right now on the schedule, but we'll have some more openings coming up. We have a new retreat coming up in, uh, in February and some re- more retreats uh, being launched for next year. So keep your eyes out for that. And uh, yeah, where, wherever you want to see us, come see us. Um, and until next time, take care and be safe. Thanks, guys. Bye now.